When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and our fourth podcast in the series, Groundbreaking Events in Cricket, where we look at the incidents and events over the last 50 years or so that have had a really profound effect on the development of the game, the way it's evolved. And this week, having looked at things like the six sixes of Garfield Sobers and World Series Cricket and Spin and Shane Warne and that ball, this week we're looking at the introduction of technology and how that has changed the game. Now here's a question for you in an era when there are a lot of quizzes going on. Do you know... Which batsman was the first one to be given out via the use of the third umpire? Have a think about that. Who was it? It was Sachin Tendulkar. A rare moment when he was actually run out in a match against South Africa. The third umpire was Carl Liebenberg. And he gave him out in Durban on a TV replay. It was a brilliant piece of fielding actually by John T. Rhodes, which caught... Sachin Tendulkar short in 1992 in November. He was the first person to be given out by the third umpire. And actually, he was only run out, you know, in his test career five times, which so it was a fairly important moment for lots of reasons. I'm going to take you back to a moment, slightly self-indulgently, when I played in a school match as a 13-year-old, when I asked my teacher, who was the standing umpire, why he'd not given out a batsman from the opposing school, LBW. I was bowling left arm over... It pitched on, the batsman had played right back. It was absolutely plumb, a point I made to the umpire, who then went absolutely mad at me on the field. He went absolutely ballistic. It was simply not the done thing to question an umpire's decision. Now batsmen are allowed to question the umpire's decision in international cricket, and no one bats an eyelid. It's an amazing transformation, really, in the game over the years. I should just say, that same umpire who gave my LBW not out two days later, we were playing another school match on a Saturday, and a player from the opposing school, poor lad, he played a perfectly immaculate forward defensive shot, hit the middle of the bat. For some reason, our bowler appealed. 
our umpire, the same teacher, gave him out. And he, he couldn't believe it. He walked off. And I couldn't, of course, recall him because two days before I'd questioned the umpire's decision. I certainly <laughs> wasn't going to do it again. Well it, well, it just shows that these things uh, sort of balance themselves out sometimes. Actually, I, funnily enough, while you mentioned school cricket, I, I remember once uh, batting in a school game and I spotted when I was on about 40, believe it or not, that there were three men behind square on the leg side. So I had a big slog at the next ball and got bowled. And uh, the umpire said, well, oh dear, you know, I pointed to the fact there were three men behind square on the leg side, which obviously should have made it a no ball, and said to the umpire, you know, I'm not out. Look, there's three men behind square on the leg side. And he just said, you bugger off, you, you know, you cocky little oik, you're out. So it didn't work, questioning the umpire's decision on, on that occasion. So anyway, it's a, it's a big subject, of course, that we're embracing here. And in this podcast, we'll ask, has the use of technology made the game fairer? Has it improved the game? Has it gone too far? And have we got the best system? We'll hear from two men who completely changed the way the game is played and also umpired. Simon Normington, who actually sort of invented the concept behind the DRS system, the red zone and the way the batsman is made transparent. And also Paul Hawkins, the man who invented Hawkeye. And later we'll hear from test umpire Ian Gould, who gives an umpire's perspective on the use of technology. And also a guy, a batsman, a famous player, who's career very much straddled DRS he started before it was invented and he then finished when it was very much part of the scene generally that's Sir Andrew Strauss and we'll hear about how he says DRS has influenced the game for both batsmen and captains we should differentiate between line decisions you mentioned Sachin Tendulkar being given out in the early 90s line decisions and player referrals which came in much later that's where the players could review decisions on the field the formal DRS system to add player reviews was first used in a test match in 2008, although it was officially launched by the ICC in November 2009, a test match between New Zealand and Pakistan. It was first used in a one-day international in January 2011 and first used in a T20 international in October 2017. That's quite surprising, actually, that with T20 it wasn't used for so long but it is in now in T20 internationals and just a quote from former West Indies fast bowler Michael Holding and now a very well-known television commentator who said during the oval test match of 2009 he said get ready for two-day tests if they use the predictive path of Hawkeye in the referral system. Well, we've had one or two short test matches but we <laughs> haven't had that many two-day test matches. Well, they weren't uh, two-day test matches because of uh, Hawkeye either. They were two-day test matches because of the inadequacies of batsmen generally and also some fairly lively, fruity pitches too. Certainly not the blame of technology generally. And it's interesting how it's evolved, isn't it? I mean, actually, if you look at the way there have been more LBWs probably to spinners since the advent of Hawkeye and DRS, but I would say there have probably been less LBWs to faster bowlers because the bounce of the ball has been shown to be quite high for the, the likes of Stuart Broad and anybody over six foot. Their length ball is generally going over the stumps, whereas in the past we assumed that the ball hitting sort of, say, the batsman's pad roll on his knee roll was going to be hitting the wicket. The, the Hawkeye system, DRS, has proved that quite a lot of those deliveries are going over the top. So whereas faster bowlers are probably getting less LBWs, spinners 
uh, who used to, to get denied LBWs because the umpire said, well, his pad's outside the line or he's playing a shot or it's going down the leg side, missing leg. You know, now more of those balls are shown to be hitting the stumps uh, from the Hawkeye system. We, I, I'm going to go right back to the 1990s, actually, which is when all this began. And, you know, it's, we've got this... Uh, habit at the moment this very popular habit of thursday nights going outside and clapping essential staff nhs staff and care home workers and so on and, and applauding them for their work it's a lot of unheralded heroes that are getting the credit at the moment and i would say that this man we're going to hear from now simon normington is is one of those not in the sense that he saved people's lives uh, certainly in, in a physical sense but in cricket he's had a huge influence on actually sometimes saving lives of batsmen and sometimes not, because he was the guy who thought up the idea of uh, making a batsman transparent and also putting a strip of colour on the pitch artificially to try and give an indication of where the ball was pitching. Now, these uh, tools were very much brought in initially for TV viewers only. Simon Normington was originally a cameraman who was brought into the Channel 4 team in 1999 to help with the visual look of the programme and help with graphics and things like that. And one of his first inventions and ideas was to create a way of making the batsman transparent so that you could see when the ball hit the batsman's pad where it might be going afterwards. So that was very much a sort of precursor to Hawkeye. And Simon Normington here tells us how he got the idea. I was a cameraman in, um, working in India in 93. Um, I was at the far end at Chennai, um, Madras as it was then, and... I was doing ball follow, so I wasn't really kind of involved in sort of LBWs and all that kind of thing, enough to kind of worry about. But I remember thinking, all this pitched outside leg business is kind of all, all very well, but it's not very well defined or explained. And uh, there was one replay I saw where I'm thinking, I don't think that ball pitched outside leg. Um, I, I'm not a great crowd of cricket buff, and I certainly wasn't at the time. And think I didn't really kind of know what the, the laws were exactly. So... I kind of investigated a bit, and I remember talking to Charles Colvin about it at the time. We're on a transporter plane going from one location to another. And I thought, what can we do to help this? What could we possibly do? Because it seems to me that it's, it's all a bit kind of wishy-washy and kind of undefined. So I thought, if we had some cameras, we needed a static camera, really, to draw a graphic line. What about if we drew a graphic line down the, the wicket, the area of wicket to wicket, which would effectively you know, illustrate exactly where the, the line of leg stump was. I used to be a Rostrum cameraman, which deals in graphics and special effects and things. And, and if you've got control over a camera, so, and obviously you have when it's static, you can kind of do clever things like that. And I thought that would be one way to do it. It wasn't really until, until Gary Francis, um, the exec producer of Channel 4 Cricket, asked me to join him looking after um, graphics and innovation and production design looking after the making sure we've got the best out of the crew and the technology that I thought well, this could be this could be one of our one of our things. They came up with the idea of not using stump cameras but putting um, cameras in, 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 uh, high above the, the bowler's arm, the wicket to wicket kind of um, angle, the normal angle that you see you know for every delivery, but make those locked off and, and, and stationary. And not only that, but to make them super motion, these two cameras would be a you know great great way to a you know show show lbws and b for us to be able to draw the the red zone down the pitch and and, and that's what we that's what we did 
my first worry was that that we needed to be very accurate because <laughs> you're now you're now doing something which had never been done before. And uh, my first question, because I was kind of worried that we were either I don't know if somebody was going to take offence at this and we get going to get something wrong with the laws of the game and stuff. So I kind of rang anybody, contacted anybody I could to find out. Actually, the first question was: At what point is the ball said to actually pitch outside leg stump? And I remember going around, I remember showing it to you and Mark Nicholas and people. I used to sort of draw charts and say, listen, guys, if we're going to paint this, this thing down the pitch, we're going to have some explaining to do. We've got to be able to define <laughs> at what point the ball is said to pitch out like outside leg stump. Because I asked, I remember Dickie Bird was the first guy we, we shot for, for the titles of Channel 4 Cricket 1999. And when I asked him, he didn't, he didn't know what I was talking about. He didn't, he'd never heard of anything so ridiculous. He said, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter because nobody's ever asked that question before. Nobody can prove it anyway. Um, so we've, we've never asked ourselves that question. David Shepard the same. He just looked at me as if to think, well, I don't know, nobody's ever, ever asked that question before. It's never come up. That's how it evolved. Thinking the frustration of not really being able to illustrate this well for the, for the, for the, for the audience, for the commentators to be you know, making a guess as, as the umpires were. And that really was a, a, quite a startling uh, start, if you like, to the whole notion of being able to illustrate properly what's happening in the LBW department. Then you moved on to to making the batsman sort of half transparent. So yes. how did that evolve and, and what actually is that technique? Well, again, based on my kind of rostrum camera days, whereby the whole um, principle of a rostrum camera is that it's locked off and, and effectively under your control, and therefore you can do special effects, like you can do very clever mixes between one thing and another, and you can do split screens and, and all sorts of visual effects. And again, if you're dealing with the static camera, which we were, it just suddenly struck me. I was thinking, how, what else can we... How can we progress the red zone to make it even more helpful in terms of whether whether the ball was going on to hit the stumps. Because that, at the end of the day, is obviously the question. And it just suddenly came to me that if we if we were to shoot the, 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 the shot before anybody got on the pitch, so it was just somebody put the bales on, we've now got a blank picture from, from either end of the, the little red zone sort of seed, if you like, close on the wicket. If we shoot that before the game with, with nobody there and uh, just the wicket, uh, just the stumps themselves, and then we half mix that with the actual replay of, of somebody um, having an LBW uh, decision judged, it would make the batsman and everything else actually transparent. We could actually see the stunts through the batsman. Surely that would be a, a great way of, of just getting a feel for whether that ball was going on to hit, hit the stumps. It kind of gave it a, give it a 3D kind of scenario. So we did. My goodness me, it was startling. I was so excited. I remember when I saw the, you know, saw the first replay. It was a very tricky thing to set up technically, but the vision mixer, Kimmerin Yard, I remember, um, pulled, pulled, pulled the, you know, really made it work beautifully, and um, and it did, and everybody loved it, and and that, in a sense, was I think what triggered. Paul Hawkins into thinking, right, yes, what we need next is for that ball to continue um, in a virtual way um, to for us to really discover whether it was going to hit the wicket or not. Um, so that was the evolution from the red zone to the transparent batsman to, to Paul Hawkins thinking, I think we could help them here. I remember when we first tried that uh, 
transparent batsman actually on Channel 4 and you know everyone was kind of quite agog at the the idea that we could suddenly see where the ball was going or where it might be going because we could see the batsman stumps behind his leg and it not only uh, wowed the viewers and some of the commentators actually it also got some scientists thinking as well one of whom was Paul Hawkins Paul was a minor county's batsman who often, I think, felt aggrieved at LBW decisions he'd suffered in amateur cricket. And I think seeing very much what was going on on Channel 4 coverage gave him the idea for Hawkeye. And he explains how the idea came about very much on the back of an interview he did on TMS. Hawkeye started that. There was an innovation amnesty at Rogue Manor Research, which is where I went to work for after leaving university. And I'd already had the idea of Hawkeye, but that was my platform to propose it. And I was given £5,000 to do some basic feasibility of the idea of Hawkeye. And cricket was the focus with Channel 4 having taken over the cricket rights and lots of new innovations already having come in. Uh, yourself, the Red Zone, Snickometer. And so we felt the time was right. The skies and the and the Channel Fours had all said, "We love it. You develop it, and and then we'll see whether um, we want to go ahead with it." But we're not paying for the development. My breakthrough came that through a friend that I was at university with, I managed to get myself a slot or Test match special at, Tres- at Trent Bridge. This would have been ninety nine. Okay, so New Zealand. Uh, and there'd been a, several controversial umpiring decisions over the series to to date, um, and so it was topical. And came on lunchtime uh, at Trent Bridge with Jonathan Agnew. And during the lunchtime interval, it started to rain. So what would have been a couple of minutes radio interview uh, during the break ended up being an hour and a half on on air talking about it. And they opened up the phones and had people um, phoning in and what would it be like for the game. And it was generally positive. And obviously the press then picked up on it the following day and and more media off the, off the back of that. And that was really the catalyst for change, that, that it was a competitive landscape within the production of cricket. Sky had the one-dayers, Channel 4 had the test matches, and they realised from the publicity, if if they didn't, the other one would. And we went had from having no offers to fund the development to having two offers to, do, to fund the development, probably within the space of two or three days after that publicity. So Jonathan Agnew, whilst he's not the biggest fan of Hawkeye, he's actually... You know, a very big catalyst for it happening in the in the, in the first place. What was the kind of um, turning point? I mean, because obviously now it's you know widely acclaimed in various different sports or many different sports. But what was the kind of crucial move into making it available for the umpires and then as a review mechanism? Was it tennis that that brought it to that uh, level? Well, I think all, all sports. It's been the gov- governing body led, firstly, um, and and generally it's been, they've been reactive to um, big controversial moments. So in tennis, it was Serena Williams, Jennifer Capriati quarterfinal at the US Open, which was a highly controversial match. Um, bad line calls cost Serena the match. Uh, so that was a catalyst for change for tennis wanting technology. I suppose it's a bit more of a drift. There wasn't one single moment in cricket, but just the continuous technology showing the umpire and you know the story moving away from the match and the players and I suppose cricket having seen how tennis have benefited from it I think was the, the catalyst for change for cricket coming on board football was you know the Frank Lampard goal um, or non-goal against Germany in the World Cup 2010 which you know 
previous to that, it was pretty clear they were, you know, not going to use technology. So the, the key sports has been uh, a controversial moment. That's been the single biggest change. And then I suppose us having the credibility and the reputation that if as a sport they did want to use technology, technology would would be there and reliable, accurate enough that it, it wouldn't let the sport down. The other thing I'd say about that is, is I think the key thing for the becoming used for the officiating was we were lucky that the first sport to adopt it being tennis had the added advantage of not being useful for officiating, but also having the extra entertainment value of the crowd really getting into the challenge system and Wimbledon clapping and the US Open doing their, their ooze. Um, so that entertainment value sort of made it a, you know, a, a no-brainer to a certain extent. And, and how many sports is it, is it used in now? Uh, 27 sports we now do. That um, We added uh, Cornish jousting to the list of sports last <laughs> summer, which was... <laughs> oh. uh, a r- real one that not many people would be getting at the at the, uh, at the quiz night. We were so lucky in the early days in so many different ways. You know, our tracking was was okay, but obviously not as good as it is now. Our graphics were really poor compared to what they are now. So the number of stories we could tell, uh, you know, and we weren't as reliable. Uh, but we had the best cricket director in the world. We had a ridiculously good commentary team, probably you know, the, the best quality. To, and, and, of course, also, we had Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath, one turning in square, the other landing on a sexpence. So you had boulders that were easy to tell Hawkeye stories about. So, you know, it was really the best in class in, in all aspects uh, in the early days of, of, of Hawkeye. I think one of the interesting things there, listening to Paul Hawkins, is the fact that, and a lot of people said it at the time, they said this Hawkeye system is flawed. There was a lot of debate about it, saying we can't use this system. It's not 100%. Paul Hawkins actually, I think, admitting that, that you know there were some problems at the start. He said, what did he say? It was okay at the start, and now it's, it's really good. I think he's accepted there has been you know, a great deal of improvement over the years. And there are still people who say, oh, that, that didn't look right. That, that really didn't. But I remember at the time there was that... That, that feeling that you know this it, this doesn't look quite right, and perhaps there were some that were wrong. But having said that, and this this goes back to the whole sort of fundamental point of why we have DRS in the first place. You think of how many umpires have given poor decisions. The umpires are guessing when people say, "Oh yeah, but you've got you've got to stick with the umpire." The umpires are just guessing. It's just an, an informed opinion. It's, it's it's no more than that. Okay, you you do your years in the middle, and you you hope to be a decent umpire. But I I'm the number of times times i've you know, been watching on television over the years before we've had drs i thought that's a horrendous decision that's missing that's going over the top so you've got to remember you know even though the hawkeye system was was possibly flawed at the start you know did not give you that that real accuracy that perhaps there is now umpires were still making stacks and stacks of mistakes yeah I, actually i i remember the first time we uh we, we got a look at hawkeye and uh paul hawkins had approached channel four as he said and uh, invited us down to this research facility in Hampshire, and we turned up. Mark Nicholas and I and a couple of uh, other producers turned up, and we were sort of taken to this what looked like a tennis court with a bowling machine set up to bowl at a effectively a cardboard cutout of a batsman who was stood in front of a wicket, and uh, there were cameras sort of mounted that were just fairly cheap-looking CCTV cameras mounted either side of the bowling machine, and they were all wired up to a computer inside a little tent. 
and two or three scientists or technicians were sitting sitting inside this tent watching the deliveries being bowled at this cardboard batsman uh, hitting his leg and then kind of going on to hit the stumps and then they were tracking the ball as a result and we were looking at those thinking well, you know, I don't, this, this looks really interesting and we then tried it in a match at Lords, a county game we set it all up we had all the wires going into a little transit van at the back of uh, the nursery end and actually we were amazed it was a proper game and we were amazed that some of the balls that that Angus Fraser was playing in that match and some of the balls he was bowling we're thinking surely that was hitting and it was showed to be going down the leg side or going over the top of the stumps or whatever so it was quite revealing really that more balls from a faster bowler were missing and then more balls from from a spinner were hitting I feel sorry actually for somebody like John Embry who was a a predecessor at at Lords obviously played for Middlesex for a long time a spinner bowled absolutely dead straight wicket to wicket and hardly ever got any LBWs and he used to go off the field at the end of the day's play rucking about oh bloody umpires blind as a bat and you know can't give me LBWs and all that he would certainly have got a lot more if uh, Hawkeye had, had come into existence during his career and we, we told the story last week didn't we about Shane Warne and how he realised from Hawkeye's revelations on TV that if he bowled more straight balls with the batsman's technique using the pad and the bat close together he could get uh, or convince the umpires to give more LBWs than they were and gradually that cottoned on even before DRS was invented. And one of the other points here is that you know as television has improved the quality of television pictures have improved you know, we see and have seen far more starkly the injustices served against bowlers and batsmen. You, you think of you know batsmen who've nicked the ball onto their pad or whatever, and you know also ones where it is going to go down the leg side or going to go over the top. And I, I think that that's the point: is, is that sitting at home watching on television, it just felt ri- ridiculous. I mean, and you know fo- football's in that situation now. You think of you know, they're, they're dealing with VAR, but you, you think of something like 1966 and England's third goal in the World Cup final. I mean, even now, the pitchers are not there to really work out whether that ball was over the line or not. You know, England fans say it was, Germans are bored to say it wasn't. But of course, when Frank Lampard scored that goal against Germany in the World Cup in South Africa, the quality of pitcher and the fact there were more cameras in the ground clearly showed the ball was well over the line. So sort of television has, has showed to the sport, it's shown up the imperfections. And so it was almost, in a way, it's irresistible, really. That, you know, you, you have to go to the technology because it, it just became absurd. You know, batsman, I remember Kevin Peterson in a test match against Pakistan at Headingley. I think got an inside edge onto his pad, the ball went to slip, Pakistan appealed, it was given not out. Uh, he was on nine at the time, went on to make a hundred. And it, it, it just, it, it sort of felt absurd, really, because everybody who watched the TV pictures knew he was out, and yet he survived and went on to make a, you know, an important hundred in the game. It was that sort of thing that just, to me, just became ridiculous. And the, the more television improved, the more obvious the mistakes were. So it, 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 to me, it, it just had to happen. You had to have a DRS system. Yeah, you're quite right. And and actually, you know, there were arguments against it, weren't there? They were saying, oh, it's not fair on the umpire. You know, we shouldn't use technology because the umpire's shown up and, and so on. But, I mean, if you've got the technology, you might as well use it, really. And what was seemed always a bit ridiculous was that, uh, at times, the TV viewer got a better impression of what had happened mm. 
than the people in the in the stadium who are paying all the money to to watch the test match or whatever uh, were not seeing the big screen replay of of Hawkeye because that wasn't allowed to be used because it would embarrass the umpire. Uh, so only the TV viewers at home got the full picture, and that just seemed absurd. And then the players were sort of watching it in the dressing room and sort of looking aggrieved that you know that you'd get players in the batting team sort of coming out onto the balcony and and telling a batsman to go back because he wasn't out or you know telling them trying to impress on the batsman to to stay there you know it it became a bit chaotic really so it was quite right in the end to introduce an official system where the players could actually refer it or review it to the umpire and that has had a huge impact on the game generally and on sport generally So we've heard how the technology developed over the years into the system that we've got now. What about those people who actually have to use it, implement it, the umpires and the players themselves? We're going to hear from Ian Gould in just a moment and from Sir Andrew Strauss as well because everyone has had to adapt, umpires and players. Yeah, and in fact, of course, it's influenced all sport as well. And in in a way... Hawkeye, having been introduced into cricket and very much uh, revolutionised the way that cricket was was watched and assessed as well, seeing the ball uh, projecting into the future, where the ball might have gone if it hadn't hit the pad, uh, then line technology became uh, introduced via Hawkeye into tennis and the review system uh, of players being able to review a, a line decision. Tennis was the first place where, where that was used and I think that probably convinced cricket that it had to come in eventually to cricket obviously cricket is more complicated because as well as there being those line decisions like run outs which were now being automatically referred to the third umpire there were these projections into the future and also you know, snickometer the ultra edge technology as well uh, showing that an inside edge had been detected that would help the umpire again make a decision or the third umpire make a decision so there was a few things that came together which gradually introduced the the idea of decision review system. We posed the questions at the start about you know, whether this has made the game fairer, has it improved the game, and and have we got the best system? And that, that that's a, a a very valid question to ask, isn't it? You know, have we got the best system? Is is there a way of in, improving the system? I mean, or is it just bit by bit, as has happened with the DRS system over the years? Things have improved. You, you know, I, I can remember, for example, being at the Sydney Cricket Ground in the 2010-11 series. Ian Bell got a, a feather through to the keeper, and it, yeah. you know it was it was overturned. They they couldn't quite work it out. I, I'm pretty sure that Ian Bell nicked it, and I'm I'm, I'm sure yeah. if you talked to him, he would admit he nicked it. But he went on to make 150. You know there ha- there have been problems, uh, little problems over the years, and, and, and big moments over the years that have probably gone the the wrong way. I mean, are there improvements yeah. that, that still can be made to the system or is this it now this is where we are I think, is... I think it's pretty good isn't it I, I, I think there were problems you're right particularly associated with hotspot because hotspot was one of those mm. laser technologies which didn't always work it seemed like when it was a very hot day it didn't pick up those tiny edges there were rumors of batsmen putting bits of uh, tape down the side of their bats to 
uh, stop uh, Hotspot from detecting little edges, and a lot of the batsmen tried to get away with it as well. Uh, whereas now they're using Ultra Edge in collaboration with very high definition cameras, uh, so you can match the two up much more effectively. And I think that pretty much, I think the technology now is is foolproof. They're using much higher definition cameras for Hawkeye as well. They started, as I said, with CCTV cameras, which were fairly primitive, but now these cameras are filming at three times uh, a normal camera speed so they're very very slow motion so every tiny little movement of the ball or little potential edge can be picked up in association with the stump microphones it is a pretty sophisticated system what about the, the sort of nature of the game has it is it undermined the game I mean, those critics of the the drs system and, and technology say it's, it's completely changed the way the game's played you know there's less there's less deference now um you know umpire's word used to be final and people liked that they liked the sort of tradition of the game i mean i think my feeling about that is actually cricket has always been at the sort of forefront of of revolution and change and and, and this series actually that we're doing it, it has shown that cricket has always adapted has always changed i mean the, the latest change which, which people were up in arms about and talk about tradition was putting numbers and names on the back of players shirts at, at test matches i mean that was a <laughs> you know, relatively small thing. Now, I always thought that was strange, actually, that people really railed against that when actually in the last 20 years, you know, you've been able to, to question an umpire's decision, which as we started with when I made that, when I told you that story about when I was a 13 old, you know, it was unthinkable all those years ago that you would question an umpire's decision. But you know, cricket has always been at the, f- the forefront of change and, and uh, this idea of yeah. balancing change and, and tradition. It, it's a strength of the game, I think, actually. It's one of cricket's great sort of survival mechanisms. You know, it's one of the oldest sports in existence and it, you know, it still has the rudimentary basics of the pitch, the ball and the bat are all exactly the same, but there have been so many innovations over the years. I mean, the umpire has, I suppose been slightly diminished in in his role in international cricket when all the TV cameras and all the technology is there. And I think that probably the one problem, I think it's made the the test match, the international game better because it's fairer. The batsmen and the bowlers get their just desserts because of the, the technology. Of course, the problem comes now when you get amateur cricket and batsmen and bowlers wanting to contradict umpires' decisions at that level of the game. And actually, Paul Hawkins has quite an interesting idea, which we can talk about another time, about umpires in amateur cricket having mobile phones that can actually replay incidents and even pick up edges and be able to project the path of balls in LBW decisions and so on, so that in the future, even amateur umpires will have some of that technology at their disposal. For the moment, it's just professional umpires and one uh, who has very much had to embrace the new technology and the introduction of the DRS is Ian Gould, old colleague of mine actually at Middlesex, uh, was a, a very good cricketer in his own right and a brilliant umpire who all the players love and, it, and he's really positive about the introduction of DRS but he said it wasn't that easy when it started. Yeah I can remember it, it's a bit like um, if you're going through what the the football referees are going through at the moment with VAR, I mean, we were seeing things that uh, even in your playing day, Simon, if you bowl round the wicket to a left-hander, you had, about, you had no chance of getting an LBW. But once Hawkeye came in, you know, the lines and the math side of it suddenly said it was smashing the stumps. And that was that was difficult to take at the time because 
it, it was all right for me because I had only just started umpire and I really wasn't uh, long in the tooth of it. But, you know, I think one or two of the older guys really struggled with it. I'm not to say that I didn't struggle with it. It was a lot of things that, you know, were put in front of you that you just never, ever seen playing cricket anywhere. But um, it was it was difficult to to download in your mind. Can you remember the first time uh, uh, a decision you gave was overruled or overturned? Uh, yeah, I, I can remember a couple of them. Um, it was very early on as well. That, again, was a right-arm bowler, a bowling round the wicket. I gave it not out. No, it's going down the leg side or it's pitched, it's hit him outside the off stump, pitched in line, smacking halfway up middle, you know, and you, you suddenly see that on the big screen and you're thinking, wow, you know, is it, yeah, I need to adjust to this. And and did you? Did it, oh, did yeah. it affect yeah. you? Yeah, it did. It did at first because you were, you, it's a bit strange saying this, but you're almost playing the machine. What was the machine thinking? Um, so it warped your mind for a little while. But then when you worked it out, you worked your angles out a little bit better because you saw more of it. Uh, and your predictive path in your mind became stronger and wiser. So, you know, you just went with it. You know, it, we fought it for three years. It, we never thought it would last. We thought it was a gimmick. It wasn't going to last. But here we are in 2020 with it rocking and rolling and everyone loves it. Absolutely loves it. Including the umpires? Yes, they do now. At the time, they didn't. I remember the famous semi-final in um, in India. Yeah, India-Pakistan, yeah. yeah. You know, I gave Tindorka out in the semi-final. You know, even in my humble opinion to this day, you know, I was still giving it out. But, you know, that then showed what Hawkeye was showing, what, what was happening. So, you know, I didn't see that. Not many people did see it on the day, but... You know, that's how it's evolved. It's moved on. We've moved on. The modern-day umpire accepts it now. The great thing about these modern-day umpires, and whatever anyone's going to tell me, these are the best 12 in the world at this present moment. There's one or two creeping up behind them, but they are exceptionally good. But one thing they're very, very good at is turning up on the ground with humour. But one thing they're very good at before they put all their kit on is they take their ego out and put it in their bag. And if they get proved wrong... They get proved wrong, but they don't get proved wrong too often, to be fair to them. What's it like when you're umpiring now, then, and you haven't got DRS, you know, when you're, say, doing a county match or something? <laughs> I mean, is it quite weird? It's difficult um, because there's run-outs and things like this that you've forgotten about because, all, you know, if there's a run-out in a test match or a one-day international or a T20, you just make a square and send it up to your third umpire. But I remember doing a game last year, just after I retired, I did a championship game. And there was a run-out, and I nearly fluffed it completely because I, I wasn't really totally concentrating on it. Now, suddenly, this is my decision, not the third umpire's. So it is, it is tricky. It is tricky going from one to the other, but I prefer to do every game under DRS now, every game. That's county cricket, T20, 50 over. Because at the end of it, Simon, if you make a mistake, it can be rectified there and then. Um, you know, I remember Mark Benson telling me a great story. It wasn't a great story for him at the time, but he gave Steve Fleming not out on naught, caught down the leg side, leg glance. Just he had no chance. No umpire in the world would give it out. It's just rolled down the, rolled down the bat and gone to the keeper. He gave it not out. 
well, you know what's coming next. Stephen Fleming got 220. <laughs> so that's taken Stephen seven hours. So he's had, Mark's had seven hours of grief and childish remarks about him not giving this out. Nowadays, that doesn't happen. Has it made it a better game, do you think? I think it has, yeah. Yeah, it has. It's stopped a lot of animosity, a lot of infighting, you know. It was, but the problem is now, to me, it's got to be worldwide. It's got to be in every single country for every single game. You can't go and do a game at Melbourne and you've got 37 cameras and then you go to Zimbabwe and you've got eight. You can't do that. That's wrong. You know, it's unfair to the players, it's unfair to the umpires, it's unfair to the game. So, you know, I think I think ICC, within a certain period of time, will make it mandatory that you've got to have a DRS. Well, he speaks really well, Ian Gould. Fabulous character and a, and a very good umpire as well. I was there that day, that, that remarkable day in Chandigarh and Mahali, that India-Pakistan semi-final when he gave Sachin Tendulkar out LBW. I, I didn't bat an eyelid. I thought, oh, that's out. No way this is going to be overturned. I mean, there was all sorts of, there were all sorts of conspiracy theories at the time. I don't know whether they're true or not. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, it was overturned, um, much to the surprise, I think, of, of most people, uh, definitely Ian Gould. I think he was absolutely staggered by it. But but, but there we go. You know, Tendulkar was uh, reprieved. India went on to win that World Cup semi-final. I mean, there were all sorts of suggestions. Oh, they put the wrong replay on it and that, that sort of thing. I mean, you could you can make a case for it going down the leg side, I suppose. But they, I talked you know, earlier about that there have been hiccups over the years and seeming anomalies I've mentioned the Ian Bell one I mean, that that felt like a, a strange overturn but but there we go um, you know sometimes to get where you want to go you are inevitably going to have uh, one or two incidents one or two problems along the way it's great to hear that, that Ian Gould is, is fully embracing the DRS technology, given that his career sort of started right back in the, the 1970s. And by the way, he's got a book out, uh, Gunner, My Life in Cricket, which is out uh, this week, actually. So uh, look out for that. Obviously, umpires have had to, to change the way they've approached umpiring the game, officiating the game in uh, international level. Uh, one or two now are sort of almost reluctant, actually, to give certain decisions because they know they've got the, the fallback of technology. So I'm thinking particularly of the, of the sort of no-balling situation where they're a bit nervous about calling a no-ball in case it isn't, knowing that if it is, it's going to be uh, reviewed or you know at least uh, assessed by the third umpire who will catch up with a, a, a wicket which shouldn't have been off a no-ball that wasn't called. So umpires have had to you know adapt, and so, of course, have players too. And it's interesting the, the impact that Hawkeye and DRS has had on batting techniques. And so Andrew Strauss is the perfect person to talk about that. He started his career in the late 90s and really had to completely change his method as a result of first Hawkeye and then DRS. There was a bit of a step into the unknown for everyone when it was first introduced. I think players generally were very supportive of the concept because we got used to seeing wrong decisions sort of shown up on television, really, because they were using Hawkeye and other devices to 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 show that you know sometimes you'd be given out incorrectly and other times being given not out and actually you were out so I think we were all quite supportive of the concept of it and then it was a pretty short period of time before you realised that you did have to adapt your game quite substantially um, 
most importantly against spin bowling, obviously. So there was almost a sort of convention there for quite a long time that if you had your bat and pad together and the ball sort of squeezed between the two, then the umpire would give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, sometimes if you're leaving the ball, it's hitting you outside off stump, but it was a sort of semi-leave or whatever. There were all sorts of things that you had to question whether in this new era... Would, umpire, would the technology see it the same way that umpires had seen it previously? And so, you know, very apparent very quickly that you had to play spinners with the bat and not the bat and the pad. So that meant you had to get the bat out in front of the pad rather than alongside the pad. And for a lot of players, that was fundamentally changing the way they, especially their defensive game against spin, actually. How did it uh, affect you? Number one, I had to get my defence right before I could work out my attacking shots. And then number two, what were my new attacking shots? And so I started thinking a bit more about trying to score off the back foot against spin a bit more. Um, And the obvious other really big consideration that people had to make was about sweeping the ball. So in the old days, again, you could get away with quite a few sweeps. These these days, if, if the ball is on the stumps and you're trying to sweep the ball, then that's a a much higher risk shot than it used to be in the past. I think the other thing that a lot of batsmen have done as a a result, it wasn't as relevant to me, but it just effectively try and keep your your front leg out of the way. So, you know, pushing that down the the line of leg stump a little bit more, um, which gives you access to the ball, but then obviously, you know, swings and roundabouts, that that gives you access to the ball, but obviously makes you more vulnerable to getting bowled and um, maybe nicking off, etc. to spinners. So I think everyone had to work out what it meant for them individually and then reconstruct their, their game accordingly. Obviously, from a spinner's point of view, suddenly they had different ways of taking wickets. So in the old days, it used to be much more about spinning the ball past the bat. And now I think what spinners realised, and someone like Graham Swan was brilliant at this, is you had you had two methods. So Swan against left-handers is a great example. You know, almost every single time he beat the outside of the bat with one that turned past the, the, the edge of the left-handers bat, he would follow one up with one that doesn't didn't turn as much or went straight on. So, you know, those, those balls that you think you're going to turn and then they don't and they hit the on, the on the pad. You know, I mean, I can't begin to think how many wickets he got as a result of that. Almost a two-card trick. One Turn one past the bat and then uh, slide one on there. But, you know, there was still a lot of skill required because you had to have that variety. You had to be able to not give batsmen a show when the ball's not going to turn as much. Um, and, of course, the, the, the bowlers that had variety in terms of turning it both ways were equally very effective. So it did re- it rejuvenated spin bowling full stop, I think. What about as a captain? How did it change? How did DRS change the role and, and habits of a captain? I think from a captaincy point of view, there, there are a few things. The first one, obviously, was you know was understanding the, the review system and how best to use it. Um, and that sort of evolved over time because, to begin with, it was all about the DRS only being there to overturn howlers. And then, you know, as a captain, you had to realise effectively when the, the umpire was going to get given the benefit of the doubt, in which case you're wasting a review, and when it's absolutely 
imperative that you did review a decision. So, you know, you had to come up with a bit of a plan of action, a system, I, I suppose, into how best to deal with that. And we had one with the England cricket team where it was effectively, if it was myself standing at first, the Matt Pryor, the, the wicketkeeper, and the bowler, and all three of us said we should review that, then we would. If one out of the three said, no, I don't think that's out, we generally wouldn't. And that, that served us quite well, actually. Tactically, it just... I suppose it just allowed you to to play around with fields a bit more for the spinners, I suppose. So getting the spinners to bring the, the stumps into play and giving batsmen an opportunity to to play a shot that might get them out LBW. And I think what we found, for instance, is that a lot of captains started bringing the sweet man up on the one much more than they had done in the past. So effectively saying to a batsman, go on, you know, someone like Graham Swanson, left-handed, bowling a lot, stump to stump. Yes, you can sweep, and if you sweep, you'll you'll get a boundary for it. But uh, we pretty much know that if you miss it, you're going to be out. Um, and overall, do you think the DRS has enhanced or detracted from the game? Without doubt, enhanced the game. You know, and I think there were a lot of legitimate issues early on about it undermining umpires and affecting their confidence, etc., etc. And I got that, I understood that. Um, but I think what we've found over time, actually, is that umpires have actually come to sort of value the system as a sort of fail-safe mechanism. The last thing an umpire wants is for their decision to be the main driver in terms of the outcome of a game, especially, you know, if it's a wrong decision, that is. Um, so I think they've they've got used to it. Uh, I think they quite like the balance there between giving them a little bit of latitude, but also making sure that genuine mistakes are picked up. Players are generally happier, um, and more than anything, we're getting more decisions right, which was obviously why it was brought in in the first place. Do you think it's um, reduced the incidence of batsmen coming into the dressing room and saying, well, that, that couldn't have been out. I was never out. Yeah, there, there is a little bit of that, yes. Less excuses, basically. Yeah, less excuses. And also, of course, you know, I think it has also had an effect on some of that sort of outrageous appealing that you used to get and pressurising the umpires because, you know, you know more times than not that even if you pressurise the umpire to give the decision, the, the guy can review it. So actually, I think in terms of behaviour on the field, it's had a positive effect as well. So that's Andrew Strauss. And actually, I think one of the things that, that pleases me as an ex-bowler is that Hawkeye and DRS have actually stopped that tactic that batsmen used to use for a long time of just bat and pad together, kick the ball away. You know, often you used to say things like, did you bring your bat? and things like that, when you saw a batsman just kicking the ball away constantly outside off stump and, and getting away with it. So uh, the, the technology has really undermined that uh, aspect of batsmen uh, that, that, that they've been getting away with for probably 50 years or even longer. Also that thing about just lunging forward, as long as you got forward against the spinners, even if it was straight and going on to hit the stumps, you, know, you, you were not out. It was it was a given, wasn't it? Oh, he's too far forward, said the umpire. They, they never gave it out, which is hugely frustrating for spinners. And Andrew Strauss mentioning there how it was great for Graham Swan's career and great for lots of spinners, as we as we mentioned in our Shane Warne podcast, how it's really helped the development of, of finger spin, actually kick, kept finger spin in the game. I mean, one issue about DRS, so people say it was is initially, and Dave Richardson said this, that the ICC, you know, it was brought in to get rid of the howler. I think one of the 
fascinating things about this, of course, is that, and Ian Gould touched on it, is it, in a way that's changed, hasn't it? Because it, it is there to get rid of really bad decisions. But actually, players don't really see it like that, I don't think. I think players see it in or out. So it's not about how bad the decision is. It's about whether the decision is correct or not. And I think that is how players try to use it can, can is this out or not it might be one of those marginal ones you, you often see you know an lbw and they go yeah well, let's go for it let's go for it i think this is out and they go for it and, and you see everyone really celebrating they're not sure they're not sure whether it's in in or out but the technology gives them the decision so i, I think it's moved on from the howler and, and players don't really see it like that it's either in or it's out there's also an entertainment factor as well with with, with drs paul hawkins uh, touched on it when there is a review it, it, everybody's watching aren't they Every, it concentrates everybody's mind players spectators tv viewers commentators it's, it's a big moment in the game it's a sort of dramatic moment in the game so it, in a way although it, it's to mm. some extent slowed the game up a little bit and also you, you could say it's undermined the umpire's authority what it's actually done is actually provided some real interest and talking point in the game of cricket. And the, the other aspect of that, and Andrew Strauss touched on it, is, is improved behaviour because players now are not walking off, you know, swearing under their breath at the umpire. You, know, you think, remember, think of Ramps at Lords in a test match. What was, he, what was it he said to the umpire? You're messing with my career as he, as he stormed off. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not getting that mm. so much now. There will be some injustices, but they have been dramatically reduced. You mentioned about the rejuvenation of finger spin as well, and you know there's some stats to back that up. And the the, the the fact that DRS now gives them much more LBW opportunity, for instance, than it did in the past. So an old bowler, like a very very accurate bowler from the 1970s, Derek Underwood, took 297 Test wickets, only eight percent. LBWs, whereas a Graham Swan or a Rangana Harath from the modern era, orthodox finger spinners as well, hitting the pad quite consistently and getting nearly 30% of their wickets LBW and beating the inside edge almost as important as, as beating the outside edge. So I think it's redressed the balance and, and allowed those finger spinners, a sort of traditional art, a little bit more leeway, which is good for the game generally. So has it improved the game overall? I mean, has it improved it a little bit? Has it improved it quite a bit? Has it improved it immeasurably? Is it a, is it a massive bonus for the game uh, technology? I mean, there are people who still chunter about it, but is it a massive pro for the game? Well, I think so. I think you get the right decisions more often. It stops batsmen from wandering off the pitch thinking they've been robbed and, and going into the dressing room and throwing their bat and saying that umpire's completely blind. Uh, and I think it's also provided tremendous entertainment for the viewers, uh, especially the, the Hawkeye element, showing where the ball would have gone after it had hit the pad, so projecting into the future and a dramatic moment as uh, the teams review a decision. Remember that uh, Mo and Ali getting those three wickets, that hat-trick against South Africa at the Oval, and I think each one of them, or certainly the last two, were both reviewed, and so we're waiting, not only celebrating Mo and Ali's hat-trick the first time when he was given out, the batsman, I think it was Morning Morkel, but then actually reviewing it and waiting for the review and the big sort of surge of exclamation in the crowd when it finally was declared as out. So it was a double celebration. And what about this idea? People say the predictive element of an LBW, how accurate is that? People say, oh, no, that, that, that's not going over. Even now, that's not going 
down the leg side. And I have to say, when DRS was first brought in, I only thought it would be brought in for things like nicks onto pads or, you know, did it hit the glove or did it hit the arm, that sort of thing. For, for those sorts of decisions, I didn't envisage it being used for, for LBWs. But what do you say to people who say, well, you know, the, the, the Hawkeye is not as accurate as it could be or should be, or, I, you know, I just don't believe what I've just seen? Well, I brought lots of uh, viewers, uh, spectators into the the VT truck, the videotape truck over the years to show them Hawkeye at work. And one of the things I did to start with, uh, you know, in the early days of it especially, was to look at the the virtual ball and then match it with the real ball and put them over the top of each other. And it always matched perfectly. Now, mathematicians will say there's no such thing as 100% certainty in maths. But there's certainly 99% certainty, and it's better than umpire's guesswork. So generally speaking, 99 times out of 100, probably 99.9 times out of 100, the technology is forensically accurate. How many more first-class wickets or fewer first-class wickets <laughs> would you have if all your games had been drs Good question. <laughs> uh, I, I think probably a few, I would have got a few more because... Uh, because I was relatively short for a fast bowler, a lot of my deliveries weren't going over the top of the stumps. And I did bowl straight. I did bowl quite full. And I did look to hit the wicket quite a lot of the time. And I think, especially Dickie Bird, he denied me at least 10 LBWs. <laughs> so, uh, you know, not out was the, the usual call. Oh, it's going down, you're going down. I bet you Hawkeye would have shown a few of those. So I might have just crept over 500 first-class wickets. I've been robbed. <laughs> It's interesting, actually, isn't it, with umpires, how not-outers are often seen as good umpires. Someone like Ray Julian, who who fired them out, I mean, he was a, he was a good umpire for a bowler, but, I mean, a terrible umpire for a batsman. And there were some, as well, who were just taciturn, who were sort of grumpy on the field, and you felt that they wouldn't give you anything because they just didn't like you very much. Uh, there's a sort of personality complex going on there. And that that was always annoying. So, you know, that the, the DRS at international level anyway eliminates the sort of personality of an umpire denying you wickets. And also, actually, uh, tail enders were always hard done by because they were always fired out because the umpire... I mean, I remember one umpire, Peter Willey, uh, saying to me once he gave a bloke out when there was a long delay with a, a last wicket stand in a county game and he gave the batsman out. And I said, well, that wasn't out. And he said, no, I was busting for a piss. I was desperate to get off, you know, at the end of an innings. So, I, I mean, it's removed, certainly at the, the top level, it's removed all that kind of thing. It's obviously difficult for amateur umpires to compete with the, the internationals with all the technology they have. But I think overall, actually, it's educated umpires and players about especially what is hitting the wicket and what isn't. And it's made generally umpiring and perception of umpiring much better. Well, it's been a massive revolution over the years. When I think back to the, the 1970s and my LBW shout as a, a 13-year-old, which was absolutely plum. I can still see it now. It was yeah. absolutely plum. It was, hitting, it was hitting middle and leg, and it was given uh, not out. You know, that is our look at, at technology, one of the huge changes in the game in the last 20 years or so. Next time, we'll be looking at the batting revolution. Yes, thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Speak to you next week. Goodbye for now.
Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.